We depend largely on the public to help us solve crime. On May 10, 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 went missing in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. In season three of The Lost Boys of Hannibal, Boots on the Ground, we discover new information and details into the boys' disappearance. These are boys, little boys. You don't know what happened. You should try to find out what happened. Nothing should deter you from that. So, yeah, it angers me a little bit. When the deputy mentions these trees would have been here 51 years ago, that's when I immediately knew who we were looking for. Join us as we journey into Hannibal's biggest mystery to find the truth about what happened to Billy, Joey, and Craig. Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie, and with me, Chris. as always... I- I'm so excited, I had to say it early. Chris. Because <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> oh, we're laughing, Chris. We're laughing. Be careful. Yeah. This is a serious, serious podcast. <laughs> Make sure you never show any emotion but one. Sustain one sadness of emotion. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things we got a comment. Usually we don't we don't discuss this, but it kind of hit me. I, we saw a, a review recently. It talked about how we were laughing during our podcast, and and I'm glad Frankie brought that up because it's been one of those things where we've, uh, you know, we've done a. Are we coming up on like 50 episodes that we've done? We've got to be getting close. 40. 40. And you know, this isn't like a produced podcast you know i've been listening to the springfield three podcast and it's brilliantly done amazing uh six and episodes. they have like you know 20s of thousands of dollars behind them yeah. and 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 it's the same with Sirius and this american life that's what those people do it's major major production work i'm sorry me and chris have day jobs yeah. and we try the best we can we have shore mics we have the same mics that joe rogan has my favorite podcaster and he's cool with me he liked one of my things so yay <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> like a tangent there. That's all right. Uh, no, so we we uh, you know we 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 laugh because uh, you know this is something we're we're doing like like Frankie said we're doing on a regular basis and we're doing it besides our day jobs. But not only that, but we've had the experience, and one of the reasons I feel comfortable talking about this is because, and you're going to hear from her in a few minutes. But we've talked to Denise Hogue and her her daughter many times, and we have a lot of fun with them. I mean. We know this is a serious subject, and we definitely want to respect uh, the boys and respect all those that were involved. But you also have to have that notification, inspiration, whatever you want to call it. That you know, this is also just normal people that are fifty years down the road, and we're we're you know trying to trying to take lighthearted matter into something that's much much more dar- deeper. So you know, keep that exactly. in mind. Keep that in mind when we're doing it. We're just having fun, and we, you know, we're apologize if anybody's getting offensive. But you know what? 
if there's anybody that I would be like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be laughing because they're going to say that they don't like it is, is the Hogue family or the Dow family. If they get upset with it, I get it. But a lot of times they're laughing at us and laughing with us when we're doing this stuff too. So uh, that makes oh, yeah. it feel a little bit better for our end. Denise has always given us something when we're coming out or she'll scare you with snake behind <laughs> you when we're out lurking and when we're doing boots on the ground with her and Candace. I mean, you have to, you have to lighten the load. Um, it's a lot to take in, but I can tell you, I can tell you a couple things from the footage that me and Lily, Lily is our director and she's been shooting a lot with me. Um, we do a lot of the dailies and what a daily is, is we look at the footage of that day and we kind of go through it and start organizing everything. And I can honestly tell you in the serious moments of, um, the true crime path, when we were out there, um, looking for these boys and, and, and doing those types of digs out there for four long days. If you guys have seen some of the pictures of me and Chris and not, not Chris's favorite picture, but it really captured the, the emotion of, you know, basically what is happening out there so we're serious when we need to be and i don't ever think that we laughed um during something serious when we're serious we're serious but we do have more than one emotion and we don't want to sustain one somber emotion throughout this entire thing i i've laughed more i think the funniest thing that that denise says and she'll tell you if you meet her is like you know if everybody um that that was with the boys or was supposed to be with them, those boys that day um there'd be a lot more people missing than three and <laughs> you know and and that is that's the truth that's their type of humor we're serious when we need to be and then we're and and we're jovial when we also need to be you need to lighten it sometimes and also we don't know what happened to the boys there there are still two very 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 strong paths right now the caving path is underway the true crime path is underway and for the last month and a half me and chris have worked with local law enforcement and state agencies in the mud in the muck in the holes in the caverns looking for where to pick up the next pieces and in the next couple of weeks we are going to reveal a lot of that to you um but for right now this episode really kind of brings to together um, a lot of the emotion that we have as podcasters, um, we were not really big on Patreon in the beginning, but now we're asking people that if you do want to, you know, contribute to our show, Patreon is, is the way to go right now. Um, I, I do want, we will be having a fundraiser um, for a lot of the stuff that will be, will be occurring, but until me and Chris are ready to line item everything, so you understand exactly where money is going to, uh, we're not going to put that out there. So right now, we get a lot of requests like, hey, how can I how can I help you guys? How can I support you guys? Uh, we do, as Chris knows with well, Quincy, uh, we will be having merch. I keep getting that question a lot too, but we're still in the design stages. And if you've met me, it has to be perfect before I release anything. So I just want to kind of give you guys some some meeting notes and some stuff behind the scenes because we get asked a lot of questions. With the crazy downloads and the fans, and we have over 5,000 followers on Podbean now, we do get trolls. There's millions and millions of other podcasts you guys can listen to. We're not changing our format. What we're doing is working. And so we're moving ahead and we're striving ahead. And with that, Chris, we have some promises to to give the audience from well, last episode. And, and we're just going to make them hold off for another minute on the promises from the last episode. <laughs> so I, one thing I'm going to go ahead and say. I'm laughing, I, Chris, because that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say this. It, it, 
and I was going to say this in the last few episodes, but I haven't. We are one of the top podcasts on Podbean. So if you're listening to us on Podbean right now, thank you so much. Also going to give a shout out to Podbean for all the support they've given us. We are just some two guys that are coming together and doing a podcast. We don't have a big production crew behind us, nothing like that. And to have somebody like Podbean uh, come and give us that support and featuring us has been awesome. And now we're one of the top true crime podcasts on Podbean. However, I want to throw this out to you guys. We have tons and tons and tons of people that listen to this podcast and listen to it on different players. I'm going to do this. We are not even in the, we're not even a glimmer in the eyes of iTunes. And so here's what I want None. you guys to do. Do this for me. Do this for me and Frankie. Go to iTunes. Don't care if you listen to on, you know, any of the other formats. Go to iTunes and let's break iTunes. Let's the Lost Boys of Hannibal break iTunes and put a review. You do not actually have to write a review. If you just hit that little the little stars and put a five star up there, that's enough. You don't actually have to write a review. This podcast, if we had the numbers that we have on on Podbeam, on iTunes, we would be probably in the top 25 true crime podcasts on iTunes. And that would be huge, not only for us, because that'd be awesome for us to be there and have that recognition, but here's the key. And this is key for many things that are going to be coming up in the months to come. The more people that know about this podcast could give us the more possibilities that we may find new avenues to go down. And that's the key. We need to get those people that may not be listening and don't know about us to listen to us because things like what we're going to talk about later, we need those people to contact us now and talk to us about those possibilities because that opens up doors for us to be able to do more research. So keep that in mind. Let's blow up iTunes, guys, and let's. Uh, it doesn't matter what you listen to us on. Go to iTunes.com. Maybe Frankie can even put you a link down at the bottom here to send you right to the iTunes page. And go ahead and let's blow them up and let's report back to you on the next episode that we are in the top twenty-five true crime podcasts on. Exactly. ITunes. I will. I will put it in the meeting notes. Um, actually, in the podcast notes of this episode, to click that iTunes link, break them. Even if you're on Android, go to the iTunes store. Go to the podcast app if you're on Apple. Give us five stars give us a thumbs up whatever you need to do and we're actually asking for five stars because what's happening is is that once again you get trolls in the mix and they'll just go in there and leave a one-star rating with nothing so we need to out basically ship those people out because chris is right when you look at statistically the, the downloads that we get we're in the top five percent of podcasts that are on there and it's just ridiculous that we are being I don't know. We, we call it in the film industry cold shelved and it just feels like we're being cold shelved from Apple because of a lot of different reasons. They keep saying they fix their algorithm, but it's impossible because we are surging on Podbean and the RSS feed is in iTunes. It does not make sense that iTunes is not giving us that type of credibility um, that the podcast deserves. Um, because before Springfield three even started, they had 8,000 reviews yeah. and, and they had like a three minute trailer. So they're, they're, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing again, but, I, but that is funny to me because it's like, wow, here we have 40 episodes and we can't get more than 200 reviews. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is something that like we're, we're, we're imploring our audience to do. If you're listening on pod and we love pod and we're sticking with pod I just re-upped. You know, it costs us a lot of money to be on Podbean with our servers and stuff like that to get clean episodes, to run our website out there. 
you know, but it's worth it because Podbean is actually giving back to us. And when we see our little logo in the top 10, you know, top 10, top 15, top 20 true crime, you know, it, it just makes us so happy. And they've been featuring us. They featured us more than um, three times now. So, yeah, big kudos to Podbean. And if you're thinking about doing a podcast, do it on Podbean. Sure. That's the way to go. Um, they have all the tools there. They have all the analytics. We know exactly where our audience is coming from. And I also want to give a shout out, Chris, because we always forget Lithuania. We are in the top. <laughs> we are in the top 150 to all my Lithuanian brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for the country for listening to the Lost Boys podcast on Apple iTunes. We are actually in the top 150 true crime podcast in Lithuania. So that is really cool for and, me. And surprisingly, um, we have a lot of listeners throughout the world. Actually, I mean yeah, Australia, UK. Europe. Yeah, I mean it's great to have all this support uh, from throughout the world uh, listening to our podcast. So yeah, and I'm, I'm, we're sorry about the long introduction, but we have so many thank yous. I mean, we have Ireland, we have the UK, and they, they actually, you know, so what we're going to do is, and Chris can do this because I think I'm in Facebook jail, but Chris, you can um, you can post something on our Facebook page um, and just saying, hey, we'd like to know where you're from. And if you are from Marion County, Missouri, in Hannibal, don't be afraid, don't be shy. We, we love our Hannibal listeners. But I would love to see like who, how many people we have on our Facebook page following us. So we're going to have a simple post that we'll put up. And you just tell us where you're from and where you're listening from. And that would be just a really cool idea because we really want to give a shout out to you because I'll tell you what, guys, we are we are about, you know, eight months into this year right now. And me and Chris and, and the Hogue family and state agencies and local law enforcement are driving forward. We are driving forward. And, I, and I'm so excited to share all this stuff with you that we're doing because this is not a typical podcast. This is more yeah. than just a podcast. And I want to bring that up real quick. Uh, you know, we talked uh, a couple seasons, maybe it's last season, about The Long Lost. It was a story that was about uh, in Minneapolis uh, about Brilliant. three boys that went missing. That was a small series that was done by a PBS affiliate. Uh, great series. Uh, we, we talked just recently about The Springfield Three, another great series. It's only six episodes. That's all she did. It's a great series to listen to. Listen to it if you get a chance. We'll give a shout out to them because it's really well done. Here's mm-hmm. the thing is those podcasts are trying to give you a narrative. They're trying to tell you what happened. Uh, it's no different than Crime Junkie or those other guys. They're just giving you a narrative. This, and then, which is really neat. I don't know if we really ever meant for it to, uh, yeah, we probably did. We meant for this to be this way to where we are trying to solve it. We're not here just to tell you a story and then go away. That's why, and I want to bring this up too real quick before we jump into that thing we're supposed to talk about from last episode, Uh, but I want to bring this up that we uh, are doing this because we're trying to do it as we're trying to solve the story, and so by doing that, um, it takes time, and and unfortunately, you know, usually we've been doing those Monday releases, but again, this week was delayed because things, as I mentioned in the last episode, are fluid. There's so much going on, and we want to make sure that we get all the bases covered, get as much information to you as possible, but again, it's not an edited narrative story that we're telling you. This is this is live, guys. Literally, we're recording this the night before you listen to it, so <laughs> that tells yeah. you how, how this is working. We're not trying to, like, we don't have this big production thing that's being done in the background. We're literally bringing to you as it happens, and that's actually a little peek behind the curtain your next episode is going to be one of those big ones that's going to be about that but i can't give you more information than that (laughs) exactly 
Okay, before we get up into it, I have to do this one thing for our local Hannibal love because you know what I'm saying there's plenty of documentaries on TV right now that are just bashing Hannibal. So here's some local love. If you're looking for uh, mozzarella sticks, Finns. Me and Chris had them this week when we were down there on Friday, and we enjoyed them. We also played golf at Norwoods, which is an incredibly beautiful golf course. So shout out to the guys at Norwoods for getting us on the back nine there at the end of our day. Um, also, um, I can't 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 talk more about this place. I now have four pieces of artwork in my house from um, Java Jive. Um, not only do I buy local artists' work, but I buy their ice cream. Right now they have Pirate's Bounty. I highly recommend that ice cream. And we can give away Denise's favorite coffee. Yes. Which is a white chocolate raspberry latte. So if you yeah. see Denise in there, just buy her one. Yes. Don't she, even introduce she, yourself. Just buy her one. Just give her one. She would love that. And Yeah, and yeah that'd be great. Uh, yeah, uh, by the way, we had our opportunity, Frankie. This is the first, we've been together three years. We've maybe done one other like fun events, uh, fun get together thing. And, and Friday we were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go play golf. <laughs> so yeah. we finally went and played <laughs> golf together uh, yeah. last Friday at Norwoods, and, and it was a great course. Definitely want to check that out. Beautiful so. course. All right. Uh, I think we, we've kind of burned some time here. As you know, it is the mid-season review. We try, We did this last season. We're doing this this season because there's a lot of stuff that we want to talk about and kind of recap. And I will start it out, Frankie, if you're ready to rock and roll with this, is you gave a big bombshell at the last uh-huh. Big drop episode saying we're going to tell you what the name of the person is. We've had a lot of guesses on who Ray Farrier is, and now we're going to tell you. So, but before I tell you, (laughs) (laughs) I want to tell you about the name. So, if you haven't had a chance to look what Ray Farrier is, Ray Farrier is a name that I came up with, and it's based off of the main character from a movie and a radio show called War of the Worlds. That was the main character of War of the Worlds. The reason why we chose that name is because of, not because of the character's name, but because of who wrote War of the Worlds. And that is H.G. Wells. The reason why we mentioned H.G. Wells is because the very first letter that we came across about Ray Farrier that was written by Ray Farrier was by the name of H.G. Bell. B-E-L-L. That is the name of our Ray Farrier, Frankie. This is the guy, that's, and a lot of people believe that it was a uh, Tommy Terrence Hill was the same person. And here's the thing: I love your thinking. I think it's great. But the one thing that me and Chris do not do is box you guys in the corners or trick you. We do not like trickery, um, especially when you're dealing with stuff like this. We kind of be as transparent as we can, as we're allowed to be. Remember that uh, we've said it multiple times now: local law enforcement, state agencies. We're not trying to play anyone. The reason why we hid Ray Farrier's name for so long was um, there, there were reasons behind it. Was, it. was it worth doing episodes on? Was it worth looking into? As of right now, for me, H.G. Uh, Bell is not even a suspect for me. I believe this is another person that tried to insert themselves in a story. I'm not saying that he's not connected in some way, but but what I'm saying is, is that I don't feel, and from what a lot of people have told us, a lot of psychologists have told us, um, they don't feel that H.G. Well, sorry, H.G. Bell <laughs> was responsible um, in in this case at all. This was somebody that put himself in the story. You know, he could have suffered from some mental illness, and we don't want to bash the person. We don't want to know. But at the same time, like, 
you know, if you're visibly going to send letters to family members, then, you know, you, you're going to get you're going to get thrown into the street. And we think that it's a good time right now, because what me and Chris are doing is we're looking for people that might know who Harold G. Bell is or had associate associations with him or their family had associations with him, um, because that can lend some insight, not only for law enforcement, but for us in, in future episodes. So that is the reason why that's the big reveal um, for now. But more more than anything, as we segue into a couple things, more questions arose, Chris, right? Yeah, well, and I want to bring up the point real quick to you, Frankie, is that for those people that listen to our podcast and are very like adamant about listening to it as soon as it's released, you may have already caught his name because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you under the bus a little bit, Frankie. <laughs> but we, we one of our episodes, and I don't remember which one it was. It was this season, though. It was. It, it was. It was he, Frankie accidentally said H.G. Uh, Bell, uh, Bell's name during the episode, and it was Jackie Myrick, our our head researcher, that contacted me in a text message that says, I wonder if anybody's going to catch that Frankie just said H.G. Bell's name, and I went, oh, no! And so Frankie <laughs> had to take the episode down real quick because we put it on there. So if you're a very adamant, like, I got to listen to the podcast right away, you may have already caught his name, but there was a couple There was a couple comments that I shot down real quick, like, nah, it's just, <laughs> nope. No, that's one of our researchers. Um, and the reason is, is because we wanted to make sure that, you know, we were clear to say that and we felt confident enough that, you know, law enforcement has his name. They have all that stuff as well. And like I said, we we pass things over. Me and Chris are not knocking on people's doors and doing routine searches or <laughs> locker checks, right? Like we're just, we, we get the information and we, and we, sometimes people feel more comfortable talking to us and we even let those people know like do you want us to approach local law enforcement do you feel that this is huge um or do you just want to keep it right now until you can gather your thoughts and and prepare for that right um so you know the other thing too with a lot of this stuff chris is that it, it goes into the folds where you know people that we've worked with on the ground property owners on the ground in hannibal might get the wrong impression about what we're trying to accomplish here and the the goal is the same find the boys Find the boys. That's where Denise is. That's where Candace is. She doesn't really care so much about the method. Right now, it's about bringing them home, and then we can deal with that later. So that that is our focus, and 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 thank you so much, because we have a lot more pros than cons in our audience. I'll tell you that much. About 99.2% of our audience loves us and loves the work we're doing. And we do, we do this for you guys, but we also do it for the main goal. And that's to get closer than anybody ever has. So with that, um, we had a, a bunch of questions about the Hogue family and their religious affiliations. And so with that, I actually want you to hear from, uh, Chris did a great job of actually contacting Denise and did a great interview with Denise about their religious affiliations. And I want to play that clip for you right now. So tell me a little bit about your family growing up. Were you guys going to church every Sunday? No, we didn't go to church every Sunday. I even asked my sister, and she said she went to church some when she, or like Sunday school and stuff, but not as a family, because there's like 15 years difference with us. I do remember us going to church, and my mom and dad and stuff, but not like it wasn't for a weekly time. Now, as I got older, my dad did start going to church, and he would go every Sunday. Bill Bexheimer would come and get him, and it was when my dad was already in a wheelchair. So what's so? What church do you remember going to? Do you remember which one it was? Southside Baptist. We went to the Southside Baptist Church. My sister went. 
um, my oldest sister, when she moved back, she went, and I went there a lot. Okay. We weren't like, uh, you know, every Sunday, every time the door opened, we were there. <laughs> right. My mom encouraged us to go, but when she was younger and she went and she, you know, we didn't, from what I remember her saying is that she was looked down on because of her clothes and stuff. So she didn't feel comfortable about knowing. And so that's why she didn't go. But I, I do remember my mom actually going to the church, but just not like on a sun, every Sunday or nothing like that. For people that don't really remember, don't know, where do you remember where Southside Baptist Church was at? Oh, absolutely. It's still there. Where's that at? It's on Fulton Avenue. It's across from the old stone school. Oh, okay. So it's, it, wow, that's re- that was really close to your guys' house then. Yes. Uh, Southside Baptist was on one end of our block, and on the other end of the block was the Southside Christian Church. So that was great, Chris. You were able to do that with Denise. That's that's awesome. I'm, I love that she's always handy. Yeah. It, it was one of those things where we've had a lot of questions about their the religious background, especially with our last episode with Terry Hill. We wanted to dig into the specifics because it was always kind of questionable. Well, where did they go? A lot of people said, oh, they went to First Christian Church. They were members of the First Christian Church. No, no, no. They were members of the Baptist Church. And so I was like, let's just go to the source. Let's ask Denise. And we did. And, and proud, uh, happy that she was able to jump on a phone call with me and be able to do that real quick. So now we have a good understanding. That's going to lead into what we're going to be talking about coming up in just a few minutes. And that has to do with our person we were just talking about, Terrence, Tommy Terrence Hill. <laughs> it's just too many T's, Frankie. Yeah. Um, Terry Hill. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people knew him by Terry Hill. I don't know if he even went by Thomas. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of reveal here. Thanks. Um, I mean, we got a bunch. I mean, Candace has been nailing it yes. with research on, I mean, she went once, once we eliminated Gacy essentially, and, and you'll find out why, but once we eliminated Gacy, Candace went down the rabbit hole with Jackie Myrick on Tommy Terrence Hill, and they were just furious. Our Slack channels started blowing up with the stuff that they were finding, and I am just, we can't do this show without our research team, just so you guys know. we And we all work. Jackie is an engineer. I work in software development. <laughs> you know, Chris is delivering food across the, <laughs> across the country. You know, Candace is an HR person. So, you know, we all have very big responsibilities, big jobs. Denise retired and has a full-time job. I mean, it just tells you once again that everybody involved here has a job. So without our team and without their their findings, I mean, we even have deputies from Rawls County still helping us. And it's just just amazing the outpour that, that we have for this one case. Not only that, we have we have state agencies in our research core now, as well yeah. as uh, other, other law enforcement agents that are outside of the area. So, I mean, just have all this background, have all these people supporting us is great. And like you said, Frankie, uh, we have a channel specifically for Terry Hill and that channel literally as I was driving last week it was just blowing up with stuff going on and um, it's just been amazing. We want to share it. We want to share it with you guys. We want to share it with the audience. It it really opened up a whole new path. Once we did our original episode with the original information that we had then it started blowing up with a bunch more information so we're going to get into that real quick. However I do want to correct something. I was wrong in one of the things that I said and uh, Jackie brought it up and I believe Candace also brought it up to me as well as Kimberly I think is as well uh she's a new one of, yep. she's a new one of our uh um, research core people but uh nancy uh nancy who was uh terry's 
wife or ex-wife, she is still alive. I accidentally reported that she she passed away. That is not correct. That was a, a mistake that I made because there is uh, there is a uh, like a find a grave for her, but it's not that she's passed away. It's just one of those. I think that the grave, the marker's been made. She has not passed away yet. So that's yeah. where I got. She has, my a, she has a plot. Now. Yes. So that was the one uh, one issue, uh, one mistake. But we want to get into the new information. And Frankie, I'm going to let you start out with this information because I didn't really follow this path line as much as I think you did. And that's talking about that Terry Hill had an exchange student that was at his house and lived with him. Yeah, he actually did have a exchange student from the Basque region of Spain. And the Basque region of Spain is where um, my family actually married into um, Cubans from the Basque region, and so the Basque region is is not only a different dialect, but it's a different um, it's a different culture of Spain. Um, it's a very tight group inside of Spain. Uh, the Basque region holds a lot of people that immigrated to Cuba and found their way to Miami, Florida. So when I saw his last name, which we will reveal um, soon, um, we were like, "Well, that's that doesn't sound like a Spanish name." And just to just to put this out there, I'm, I'm producing another podcast with my cousin in it, and he has one called Beyond the Game. His last name is actually Begetestein, and it sounds Jewish, mm-hmm. but it is not. <laughs> it's from the Basque region. So the Basque region doesn't have, like, they do have Gomez, Rodriguez, Hernandez. They have similar last names. But sometimes when you look at the names coming from the Basque region, they could be very white-sounding. And so he was an exchange student. He's written up numerous times. Um, his first name is Ander. Um, which is once again like, man, that sounds like, you know, Anderson. That sounds like a very white name. So um, Tommy Terrence Hill did have um, exchange student living with him right within the age range of a Craig Dow, okay, and lived with him for some time. Um, so we also know that he had a, a person um, uh, by the name of Norris that was also the last name Norris that was also living in that same housing complex with the exchange student. The reason why this is important is because there was a really good documentary that me and Candace kind of dug into with the Candyman. Um, and it's a very, very hard documentary to watch because they really get into the Candyman. And if you guys aren't familiar with the, the, the old saying, you know, don't take candy from strangers, this is the reason. Um, he was out of Texas. He was a serial killer, killed boys. Um, but he was also in a ring. Um, and we're finding more and more out about these pedophile rings. And these pedophile rings extend beyond them where you start seeing all these major players actually also having exchange students. Now, we can't put two and two together right now, but I do find it very curious and I do find it very coincidental that Tommy Terrence Hill also had an exchange student. And so that's what I'm talking, I'm speaking to that right now. We are getting more information. We are diving deeper into that. So I can't have any finality with that right now, but that is something we are exploring. And Ander is still very much alive and he's still very much living in Spain. So just to let you know. All right, so yeah, so that's the exchange student information. The, also, the information we got, we wanted to add on, we, we were questioning his military experience and then how he was in the military for such a short amount of time. We have the answer to that question now, but we'll give you a little bit of a recap real quick. Uh, we did find out that he attended the Missouri Wing Civil Air Patrol at Whiteman Air Force Base. That's in Missouri. And uh, from the summer, summers of 19... 
57, 58, and 59. He was a cadet commander for the Moberly Flight. From my understanding, what this is is this is some sort of a some sort of g- gathering for boys and girls. Um, he was a cadet advisor. He was on the cadet advisor council. And this one newspaper article we found says the Moberly flight meets every Thursday night at Bradley Airport, and it's for boys and girls from the ages of fourteen to eighteen are eligible to become on this. Uh, cadet squadron so not only was he involved with the boy scouts but also he was involved with another event that had to do with kids and that had to do with this cadet uh, commander uh, with the moberly flight so uh, we do know that and then also uh, going back to more of the military base information uh, we did find out he was in the air force during his time at Hannibal LaGrange College. However, he did not have a very long track record with that because he was honorably discharged due to a leg injury within the Air Force during that time. So that is why he has a very short military record is because he was honorably discharged. Uh, Anything on that, Frankie? No, but um, I do want to mention that we do have a couple family members from uh, Terrence Hill that are actually helping us. Uh, and they're also in our research team. So if you guys were wondering, I have gotten some. And it's weird. Sometimes I get private messages to my private Facebook. Uh, and so I apologize. I can't answer right now. Um, but I, I will shortly be getting back to your questions. And this is not because of Facebook jail. It's just because you guys have asked some very hard-hitting questions. And I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, we get a bunch of emails from RF. I'm just putting her initials out there. Um, and she has some great great dialogue and I know that I don't always respond and it's because those emails come in about Tommy Terrence Hill just like this with the military and other questions and so I just want you to also that we do get that we do receive it we have read those things we are just kind of formulating the right words and the right research right so and, that, and that's one of the things too Chris. and we're getting to the point where there's it, it this is awesome we can't and this is what we've been asking from from the very beginning is is give us those ideas and give us those thoughts i would definitely uh, would suggest pushing them onto the discussion group page so it's a little bit more of an open discussion however if you are going to message a uh, direct message or instant message us uh, it may take us a little bit to get back with you just because now we're getting so much that honestly we just uh, we just brought in another person person to help us with just kind of keeping a track and keeping an eye on stuff that's coming on our messengers as well as on the discussion group so we don't miss anything. Um, so that gives you an idea how much information's been coming in lately. So oh, we appreciate that. And by all means, keep doing that. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome, too, that you brought her in as well. I'm, I'm really excited. I've had chats with her, and I'm glad that she was as enthusiastic as we having her on board too um with this train you know it's really cool so thank you um we were not going to reveal your name right now um but (laughs) you know who you are and uh we know who you are and that's all that's important now so So, yeah so we will definitely have uh so that's one of the things where if you have a good like a something interesting or something that we haven't thought of before we'll be grabbing that and putting it into our future look at file once we get uh kind of settled down i've told frankie kind of going off subject for a second i have three phases of what's going on in the cave aspect of things and we're we're still only in phase one, and I fully expect it's going to take a full year before we even start phase three. Uh, so, but we're getting to the point now where we're in phases with this boots on the ground effort. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and you'll you'll hear about that in the coming weeks. I do want to go on uh, the Boy Scout camp was another subject that was talked about a lot in our discussion group. Many, many have mentioned that Camp Okie Tippy, Okatippi, 
I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. It's near Saverton. It's real close to Saverton. Uh, a lot of people mentioned that as a boys and girls scout camp uh, back in the day. Uh, I had a call in to one of the board members because that camp is still in existence today to get some information. In, and I, she sent me on to another person that I haven't had a chance to reach out to yet. It sounds like it definitely was a boy and girl scout camp starting back in the 1930s and 40s. Not sure how long it went into. However, Frankie, I will give a shout out to my bank ladies here in Louisville. Louisiana, uh, because they gave me this information a while back, and I didn't really process it till just in the last week or two. But uh, one of the ladies that I uh, is a bank teller at my local bank was at that camp the night the boys went missing with her family. So it was a family campsite as well. And I'm not sure if there was a transition or there was a time period where sometimes it was a Boys and Girl Scout camp and sometimes it was a family like regular camping site or, or what exactly the situation is. But uh, we're still looking into that as well as the possibility that there may have been a Boy Scout camp closer to Lover's Leap as well. But we don't have details on that yet. Uh, we have a contact with uh, that's really involved with the Boy Scouts throughout history in Hannibal that we're going to be getting in touch with soon and hopefully be able to find out some more information about that all right yeah that's phenomenal i'm just actually on the slack channel right now and i'm just looking at all the stuff that we're getting from the hill family as well yeah um so it's 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 intense and 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 uh, actually flynn was one of the ones that mentioned saverton right away so that's just so you know i mean this is something that i i just find it very interesting that your bank ladies um you know, they recall that moment, you know, and, and you know what I've been watching? I've been watching the Wonder Years lately just to mm. kind of get a glimpse of what life was like in the late 60s and early 70s. So it, it is really interesting to kind of put this together because sometimes we get wrapped up in technology. So yeah. it's yeah. cool that these people have really long lasting memories. Like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and it's uh, I'm sure they're going to they're going to love me the next time I go into the bank now. And she's going to definitely say, oh, my gosh, you talked about me on the podcast. <laughs> gonna love it uh one other thing i will mention before we jump into a really big piece of this whole puzzle actually two things hill was hired as an education youth assistant by the university of missouri extension back in 1973 this is kind of i would assume this is also while he was uh, working as a with the with the prison system it may have been after the prison system however this job uh, in, in the paper it said it was working with youth in an urban program setting it was based off of a grant it was done through a grant uh, through the University of Missouri Extension, which, again, working with youth, it is a thing that he has been well known for. And then finally, another project that we haven't talked about, another group he was involved with was the 4-H. He was also involved with the 4-H. We came across an article, I think Candace found this article, talking about uh, that he was teaching kids uh, how to use computers. It was a computer project that they had going on, and he was like the organizer of this project. So uh, there was a picture of him in the newspaper about that um but this gets us to our big part and again going to candace we got to give her a huge shout out uh for digging in deep to the newspapers.com stuff and coming across this frankie i'm just going to read this article it's it's only a few paragraphs but there's so much valuable information in there that we can dissect it once we get done this is from an april 18th of 1960 article from the moberly monitor which moberly is in moberly missouri uh, was the hometown of terry hill back in the day and it's about an hour away from hannibal uh, the article the title and again this is 60s if you go into old newspapers 
for some reason, there I guess there wasn't enough news, so people would just literally submit who came over to eat at their house at night. <laughs> this was 1960s newspaper. This newspaper article says, guest of Nelson Hills after state RA meeting. Here's the, here it is. It says, Mr. and Mrs. Nelson Hill, 705 Garfield Avenue, had a Saturday supper guest the following, had as Saturday supper guest the following, Terry Hill, their son, Billy and Jimmy Dexheimer, and Jody Conley, all from Hannibal, Lawrence and Donnie Yance, as well as uh, from New London, and Daryl, Danny, and Dewana Hill, and Mrs. Lizzie Nicholas, all of the home. Terry Hill and his friends were returning from the State Royal Ambassador Congress at Rolla, where 900 Royal Ambassadors registered for a meeting Friday and Saturday. Hill, this is important, Hill is an RA counselor at the Southside Baptist Church in Hannibal, and he and Lawrence Yant are ministerial students at Hannibal LaGrange College. Hill preached at both services Sunday at the Friendship Baptist Church about 18 miles northeast of Moverly. Frankie, where do you want to start with this bombshell? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... So Denise will tell you to, to, to your face when you ask about the reports of the last sightings of the boys. Bill Dexheimer's name always comes up. He's one of the, the, one of the boys that um, might have been with the boys that day. And he lived right off there and would have been able to see them. And there's eyewitness testimony from Bill Dexheimer as well. There's a lot to dissect here, Chris, and you just take it in stages. The fact that you, you can put him now in Hannibal, around the kids that our boys knew. And that's just gives me goosebumps. And and like I said, I kept saying Tommy Terrence Hill a couple <laughs> years ago. And I'm like, everybody's like, Gacy, Gacy, Gacy. I'm like, mm. But Let's this guy. Go back to about 20 minutes ago and uh, in, in what you just heard from Denise talking about that her family went to Southside Baptist Church. Now, just to get you as an idea, Royal Ambassadors is a Baptist uh, youth group uh, sort of organization. So it's for first through sixth graders. And this organization is for Baptist. And so they have meetings. And, you know, we came across a, a schedule of events in the newspaper three days before the boys went missing that there was a Royal Ambassadors meeting happening in Shelbina on the day that the boys went missing. We're pretty sure that's the thing that Craig was going to. Uh, I talked to Denise about this today. She's got a phone call into uh, another person that was closely involved with all this, trying to make sure, we're we're pretty sure, guys, uh, pretty sure, and Denise is pretty sure, that Joey and Billy were members of the Royal Ambassadors Club. So that's an indication, again, and now here's the extra little piece of this puzzle, guys, is that it's for first through sixth graders, okay? So let's just take Craig, for example. Craig was 14 when he went missing. Now, this article saying that uh, that Terry Hill was the RA counselor for Southside Baptist Church was from 1960. So minus seven years from that, that makes him seven years old at the time. And that would also mean that he's in probably second grade, as well as Joey being in second grade at that time. There is a good, good possibility, people, that Terry Hill was actually their RA counselor at Southside Baptist Church when they were royal ambassadors. It's chilling. Yeah, It's, it's really chilling. We can also um, confirm um, now, 
um, after reaching out to the Boy Scouts of America. Um, if you flash forward a little bit here, Chris, um, for another big reveal, right? We've had three. This is the third. Now, this would be the third reveal within this episode. I think that yours really trumps all other reveals. But we know for certain now um, from the Moberly Cub Scouts, the Cub Master actually reached out to me personally. Um, and he does have copy of records. And he provided them to the woman that I'm working with over there. And I will tell you, I'm actually going to read it verbatim from her message to me. I will tell you what I have, and you can decide if you're interested in them. It's not much, but it does confirm that Tommy Terrence Hill was the scoutmaster for Troop 19 in 1967. Hmm. So once again, this is the area, and I know what people are thinking right now. It's probably the same people that were Googling Ray Farrier's name when we first mentioned him. <laughs> and they kept coming up with H.G. Wells. And it's like, no, nah, I can't be it. You know, but it actually was. Um, we, as we're getting this information, it, it, it is making the, the back hairs on your neck stand up because you're in it with us. This is what this podcast is different. We're not telling you a narrative. You are right here with us at this very moment we are revealing all of this information about our prime number one suspect that he has soared through the true crime path which is where all my work and energy with boots on the ground is in that effort is leading to first we had to negate some stuff about gacy now we're hot on the trail and we have the boy scouts of america we have people that um, possibly even even Jackie himself was an Eagle Scout that know about these organizations and how they work. And Jackie will tell you some horror stories about the people that he looked up to that later in life were arrested for um, crazy things that were their scoutmasters. So it this is no reflection on the Boy Scouts of America or the Royal Ambassadors, right? They wouldn't have known. These people are around us all the time. It's never... It, 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 it reminds you a lot. The more true crime you, you watch, you just realize, man, how is this guy, you know, the serial killer? I would have thought somebody scraggly strung out on drugs, but it's never. It's the person you least expect. And this person has just a, uh, just a treasure trove of accolades that you would never in a million years believe that this guy would have been responsible for any of the molestations or the molestation or ring, child ring, that we can think of. So it is something that we are continuing to go down. So I have more documents. Um, he actually was uh, transfer of funds, uh, later dated October 19th, 1967, from Great Rivers Council to the cashier at Mechanics Bank at Trust Company, letting them know they can transfer funds to Terry Hill, who can draw on the account along with Charles Clickner, uh, is addressed in Richard Summers, Troop 19 Committee Chairman. So this was a person that was very involved within the scouts at, at the same time in 1967 that he puts himself in the story by tracking the boys, the same boys that he might have known when they were younger with the Royal Ambassadors. Also, somebody with a familiar face from our boys that we knew they took rides from strangers. Maybe it wasn't a stranger. Maybe it was somebody that they had already known, that they did trust, that earned their trust. So it's something to really keep in mind as we keep plowing ahead here with Tommy Terrence Hill. Yeah, it's a lot. And you just brought up exactly what I was just going to emphasize was that, you know, we've talked so much and so many people have asked, well, how, you know, it'd be so difficult for, for a stranger to, to pick up three kids and, and drive off with them. And, and like you just said, 
might not have been a stranger, which by the way, Frankie, we talked about that in season one was that, Hey, they knew they might've probably known who picked them up. And you know, how often is it that it's a, a family member or, or a, a close relative or, or even like somebody that like, is there RA counselor? Uh, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, it could be any of those things. And now we're looking at one of those possibilities. Now, the only question mark I will throw out there not to put a, a damper in the spirits is the possibility of is, connecting how if terry hill is the prime suspect and the boys were killed by him why did he switch from killing the boys to just molesting children what was what was the determination is that possible those are the questions i would still have is is was that a turnoff for him he did it once he didn't like it so he went to something you know he said he was just going to stay away from the murder thing and just try being quiet and secretive about it or or you know was there something else so that would well, be I my mean, biggest thing the thing is, even the family of Hill has said that there are missing people where this guy was. Um, there are missing kids where this guy was. He even has a stint in Jacksonville, Florida, where there are a lot of missing kids in that region as well that we're going to dig into more with Tommy Terrence Hill. Um, but for now, we can leave you with some final thoughts and final words. And Chris, you can actually start kick that off. Yeah, I you know, there's just a lot to the last two episodes. Again, this was just going to be a review. But once we start getting the information together on this additional information, especially going to having uh, two Dexheimer boys uh, be in a newspaper article talking about uh, going to uh, the Hill home is pretty amazing because not only that, now we can go to a source and talk to them specifically about what they know about Terry Hill and go into those details, which is great. But then also, as we mentioned, this RA counselor thing, it's Southside Baptist church, the exact same church that, <laughs> wow, the exact same church that Denise talked about 25 minutes ago is, is a is such a shocker to all of us. Um, and it really puts a nail in the coffin that shows that Terry Hill was in the South side of Hannibal in the 60s and that's just i mean wow if you want to go for a true crime path that you can't get much more than that yeah you can't get yeah and it's hot right now and the leads are hot and so i will leave you with my final thoughts we have reached out to the prison the prison responded with a bunch of letters uh, from the state of texas and they have interesting laws in texas we cannot access any of the information any of the visitors that saw tommy terrence hill but i will let you know one thing that our law enforcement officers are relentless and these guys will get that paperwork whatever they need to do to find out who was visiting him who his cellmates were how he died in prison when it all went down and all the information that we need that we can't get as citizens of this great country texas has its own law and that protects the prisoner and it right now my question is who protected the kids under Tommy Terrence Hill. So with that, we leave you. I'm Frankie from the Lost Boys of Hannibal. I'm Chris. And we'll be seeing you. I'm lost, lost my purpose